And good afternoon. It is not Thursday today. It is Wednesday, the uh, regular time, irregular day. David Vandrowski, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to I'm right. back back here in New Orleans, and it's so it's good to be back home. You're back home. Yeah, first time on American soil in a little while. A little while. No, looking forward to seeing you next week. You and you and Greg and Janet at Merlefest. That's going to be. That's fun. right. We're going to hit Merlefest next week. Uh, Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Um, I think we're there from Wednesday through the whole thing, right? We go back on the following Monday, so it's going to be yeah. a long few days. But really, can't wait to to catch up with everybody. So if you are going to Melfest, please swing by, grab yourself a Deering Life sticker, um, come and check out the hosts in the flesh, as it were. Anyone you're looking forward to? As to far as like artists and, uh, lineup and stuff, like I, I have. I need to check the lineup. I don't know it offhand, but I know it's a good lineup. I've looked at it, and it is it is a impressive lineup this year. But I don't know, remember the names exactly. Yeah, for sure, I know um, uh, Henhouse Prowlers will be playing. Addison Brown will be playing. Sam Bush obviously plays every year, so Wes Corbett will be there. Nice. Um, and actually, we're going to be teaming up. So keep a lookout for this. We'll, we'll be teaming up with the Chapman Brothers uh, and Acoustic Shop. Um, they are a I think at this point, they're not really a musical instrument store as much as they are a multimedia company, but they'll be live streaming from Melfest, uh, and we're going to be joining them for a few of those, uh, and they'll be streaming out to our YouTube channel um, from the festival, which will be really fun. So uh, you might see me, you might see Dave, and any one of the Chapman brothers uh, with us. So that'll be really cool. Um, but I'll see you next week. Um, Last but not least, before we bring in our guest, a quick mention, we're, we're a doubleheader this week, uh, Friday at the earlier time of 1.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be joined by Campbell Jensen, which is Ashley Campbell and Thor Jensen, um, which is their new duo project, uh, talk about the new album and all things uh, singer-songwriter, particularly with banjo and guitar, so that's going to be uh, a real fun one as well. But that is not why we're here today. Uh, should we bring in our guest in a minute? Should Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Our good friend. All right. Uh, very good friend. Our guest today is the creator of the Clawgrass style of banjo playing, um, which allows him to play in the Clawhammer style in other genres uh, other than uh, old-time music. He's also, if you remember, one of the very first guests of Daring Live back in the day when it was a little clunkier, a little bit more on Zoom, a little less well you know, produced as it is now. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, but he was one of the earliest guests that we had on, and that was a really fun episode as well. So today he'll be talking specifically, uh, playing some tunes and talking about how to incorporate triplets and other licks into double tunings, such as double C, D, and E. So hang out a little bit as we bring in Mr. Mark Johnson. And there he is. There he is. Hey, guys, how's it going? <laughs> all right. Good. It's You're good Florida, to see you right? all again. Uh, yeah, down here in Florida. It's... Uh, we're in drought season here. Uh, the northern part of the state is in drought. The southern state's getting flooded out. Go figure. <laughs> you, have a, you have a drought season? Like a legit drought season in Florida? Yeah, in the springtime, it gets kind of kind of dry down here. Makes for beautiful sitting on the porch and playing your banjo. It's it's, right. it's in the mornings are cool and dry. And drink coffee. It's great. Very nice. <laughs> I like that. You also noticed that we all uh, we all decided to wear hats today for the first time. During live and, exclusive. And, Even Jonathan is wearing a uh, rather nice hat. Right <laughs> so, all right. Let's get into some music. What do you say? You want to you play us in with a little something something? Yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, I get to... It's so much fun coming on during live and being able to play. This time around, I wanted to show a little bit of the some of the ornamental licks that you can put into it, just playing any kind of a, 
of a of a of a, an old time song here. I've got a tune here. Uh, the only version I ever heard of it was um, um, back when I was a kid here. It's called the Colored Aristocracy. I'm in double detuning here, and um, the the way I would start it, I would go. If you want to put some ornamental tri triplets in it, you can start it off with a uh, kind of a double triplet. Go. The triplet that I'm doing right there, it's it's really simply just play with. Your, your your index finger and your pinky and you go your right hand just use your one it's a one finger lick like this just hit the lick up you can use it as an intro you can use it going into the B part there's a couple other licks too that you can like string it's a little difficult but it can be done and it's a lot of fun to use and, and to ornament your own music uh, banjo is, can be a standalone instrument just like sitting on the porch drinking coffee down in Florida so you can come up with these own little licks to kind of change up the way you play a, an old standard tune like that so that, that's what I do Emery Lester and I recorded a lot of that stuff too and uh, we had a lot of fun with it yeah those are great recordings uh, yeah I remember when I first got turned on to those I love those recordings. I would play those those triplets, and then he would he would be like note for note, be tripling up on the mandolin and just laughing at me while he was doing it. <laughs> you know, it was just funny to watch. <laughs> Emery's a fantastic player. Whoo, good lord! Yeah. So, uh, so why don't you tell us first a, a little story about um, you were playing, you're meeting Taj Mahal and playing playing that tune. Um, oh, that's yeah. That's how that happened. I was really young. I was about twenty years old, and um, this was back in nineteen eighty. And I had just gotten enough money together to buy a decent banjo. And I lived up on the Hudson River, and I went over to Bridgeport, Connecticut, to the, um, the the Liberty Banjo Company. And I went in there, and it was like I've never seen a banjo store before with all these banjos hanging all over the place. And I started taking them down, and the guys were helping me, and I'm just sitting there playing. Well, back then. The only kind of music, if you had recorded music, was on these things called cassettes. You young guys don't know about this. Stuff, right? <laughs> cassettes. You couldn't. You don't know who was on the thing because there's nowhere to write it on. You know who wrote it or what the name of the song was. Right. So I had this tune that it, it started like this. Banjo player was playing that, but I I, I don't read music and I was just kind of it came up. 
I came up with my own kind of approach to doing the B part there. Well, I got this banjo down, I'm playing it, and the guys are in the store, and this, this tall gentleman there, um, who's watching, he's watching this whole thing over, and he comes over to me and he goes, what are you playing right there? And I go, I have no idea, it's just a piece of music I came off a cassette. He goes, but, but do that again. So I showed it to him again, and when I played it again, he goes, man, that sounds good. So he tries the banjo that I've got. It was an old Gibson conversion raised mm -hmm. head. You know, the raised head, you could play claw hammer and three finger on it, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, he plays, he's playing that song that was on the tape, and I, I didn't put two to two together. And uh, so I finally go, he goes, that, that, that works. You know, he's working on that little, little minor piece that I was doing there. So he goes, this, I go, is that a good banjo? And he goes, yeah, it's a real good banjo. You should get it. So uh, he gets up and he goes, he could take care like that. And he goes out the door and the guys who are working at the store, they're watching this whole thing. And he goes, they come over, they go, do you know who you were just talking to? And I go, no, 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 who was? He goes, come here. So we go over to the front, the glass door there, and look out and we see a, a, a microbus, an old Volkswagen microbus with California tags on it. It says Taj Mahal. And then they go, that's Taj Mahal. And I go, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know who he was. And just that's one of those things. You know, it was just, I would love to meet the guy and, and relate that story to him sometime. Uh, oh, I wound yeah. up recording that. Uh, with Tony Rice on the Clawgrass album that we did with the Rice Brothers back in 1992. Tony and I did it in a duet form, just guitar mm -hmm. and claw hammer banjo. It came out lovely. It's a beautiful tune. Yeah, it's a fantastic tune, and then your arrangement of it on the is is really good. Yeah, it was up here. minor stuff up in there it's it's funny where life life takes you yeah so let's um getting back into the triplets like are you doing most of that is it most on uh, done with your left hand on a single string or are you doing it on multiple strings sometimes the, there's there's four four or five different triplets i use i play i do i use a lot uh i play the fifth string percussively like a i play that fifth string i do a but I got that's a that's a fun one to play. You go, you just do a hammer on on the first string. You tap your foot to it, you'll find the rhythm to it, and mm -hmm. you just ornament your music with it as you go through. The fun one, I got to. I had the honor of teaching Steve Martin. Steve Martin yeah. back around 09, he flew me up to New York City for several trips up there. And he knew how to play banjo already. He was a frailer. You know, the brush, brush, thumb. That Locke Lohman tune where he did on the video where he's wearing a white outfit there. Well, he didn't know how to drop his thumb. And something else, he was really fascinated with some of the really slow music that I play where you kind of let the, the melody breathe. Mm -hmm. And the music is really in between the notes there, like a... That kind of stuff. But when I showed him that first lick, actually I put this banjo in his lap and I, and I said, play Loch Lomond, tune it up and play Loch Lomond. And he goes, I go, he starts playing, he goes, you already know how to do this. I'll show you, you already know how to do it. I just, you just got to change it where you think on it. So I gave him this lick right here. 
He started doing that lick just like that. And you couldn't, the smile was from here to here. You could, you, you, he's just going nuts with it. He's having fun with it. He wound up recording a tune on Rare Bird Alert called More Bad Weather on the Way. And he, he, he mentions me in the liner notes and he says, I did this. I used that lick you showed me on that thing right there. But it's a triplet. It's simple. You just play your index finger and you hit the bass string. You hammer on uh, the second fret, then the fourth fret with your index and pinky. And you do the same thing on the, set, the G string. And then the second string open. If you want to really get carried away with it, you can triple all three strings, the fourth, third, and the second. And end up on the fifth string. You gotta play it clean though, or it's not gonna sound good. <laughs> the other one, the other triplet. Right here, you start with the fifth string. Okay. Are you going to so name out the strings that you're hitting? Right yeah, I'm playing out of a. It almost, if you're, in, this is in double tuning, but it almost looks like you're playing out of a, of a second position G chord or an F chord. Okay. That, um, but you, you set yourself up. I don't know if I can get that into the camera like that. Yeah. Yeah. I basically my, my I'm back at it with my index and my pinky on the first string of the fifth fret and down here on the third fret and I just drop the other the middle finger is on the second string fourth fret. I start with the fifth. So I do a pull, I pull out the fifth, my middle finger comes down and hits the first string. My thumb catches the second string. My middle finger comes back down and hits the first string open. And then I hit the fifth string, and then index catches the open second string. Here's another one. It's got more of a Celtic feel to it. Uh -huh. um, that's a you can play that in double position. Take it up to a tenth fret. Some ornamentation. I don't play it all the time. If I'm playing a, a break, if Emery would, uh, if I'm whoever I'm playing with, but I, I can reference Emery all the time, he would take his breaks. We would lay the rhythm tracks down in our recordings, and he'd take his breaks, and then it would take uh, time for me to take a break. I'd take one, one break, stay right on the melody, and then on the second break, I'd kind of ornament with it a little bit to um, to complement complement what he was doing, playing on his mandolin or his guitar or his violin. Can you kind of show us an example of playing just the melody straight and then playing sure. the same thing with the ornamentation? Yeah, let's um let's let's go back to colored aristocracy. Right in that intro right there, here's what it would sound with um with that the, the low string, the double the double triplet.
like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's just fun stuff to do. When the, the thing about claw hammer banjo playing, it, it, it doesn't have to be relegated to playing um, certain styles. It, it, it's really you can you can play music with it. You could take it like right now. I'm, I'm recording an album with a friend of mine that plays. He's writing some gorgeous Americana music. He writes in the minor tunings. Mm -hmm. And the minor tunings are just fascinating. In fact, let me show you a quick minor tuning on this. Right? Double T tuning. Take right. your first string and take it up a half step. Open D minor tuning. Can you try to throw in a uh Split. You know, can you try to do pretty poly straight and then pretty poly? Right in there. There's one right off there. Even with that first string tuned up. Yeah. Just create your own stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a yep. lot of fun, and it's a real haunting sound, too. You can get to haunt like that. Yeah. You, you also, um, you know, said you do some, what, what you call, movable triplets between the fifth and tenth frets. Um, can you, yep. uh, can yeah, that, this is one that, yeah, this is that one I mentioned earlier, a little bit about Celtic playing. Yeah. Like a, it's like the movable chords, you know, your different position right. chords. They repeat themselves up and down the neck. They just change into about three basic, you know, major shapes. Huh? So, but here's one here on the fifth fret. Move that up to the tenth fret. And do the exact same thing as you're doing down on the fifth fret. Just another ornamental triplet that you can throw in like that. Um, how would we apply that? Uh, let's see, what would be a good song? Um, play a tune called um, Waiting for the Federals. Have you heard okay. that one? All right. Never, yeah. All Sounds even better up in E. That's where Emery and I recorded it. All right. 
and it gets it, when you do the triplets, it, it just has a higher, more prettier sound to it. Do a lot of do you do a lot of tunes up in double E up there? Emery and I do, yeah, yeah. It's um, I write a lot of music up in there too. Um, I wrote one for my mom called Eileen O'Neill. Okay. So it's, it's um, but it's not it's not in like an old time or a four quarter timing. It's very slow. Going.
Yeah, yeah. You do a, a number of, of slower tunes that are really pretty. Um, how, how, do you, how do you approach um, kind of playing Clawhammer when there's less of a like steady, like, you know, steady, higher tempo groove in the right hand going? Is there, when it's... Well, one of, the, one of the things that really helps, um, uh, our, Emery's and our association with Bill Emerson, the great bluegrass player. Yeah. You know, he used to tell us that the, you know, the banjo's not being played correctly unless it's ringing. It has to be ringing. So in order to get that really stuck in our heads there, where you start playing slow music and you let the notes ring through, you don't fill every space up with a note, you let it breathe. Let right. it hit a note and let it ring through the next one or maybe even the third one. Um, Jens Kruger's a genius at this stuff. You know, he just, yeah. he loves it. I can show you, um, this is, that's the Clawgrass prototype the original one there this is a number two right here I got it tuned up in a in a this is in B tuning and got, it's a tune called Hotchkiss Hill okay Letting it ring is is really good. I mean that, and the banjo you're playing. I mean, I don't, that, you know, it sounds you you make it sound really good, but it's you know it's a, it really does sound good. What is what is the model exactly? This is the Clawgrass number two model, and it's got they both both the uh, the prototype the original one that I've got, and the number two have the 06 Deering tone ring in it. It's a flathead tone ring, a 20 hole uh -huh. flathead tone ring, and. I'm used to, I love that sound on an 11 inch pot with walnut. I like the walnut because it's a bright sounding thing. It sustains notes for me. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, the neck here is also, <clears throat> for when Barry Hahn and I worked on this thing, we made it a little wider all through to be able to play up the neck uh -huh. and get these nice, clean, clear notes. <laughs> When you're playing in full ensemble with a, 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 a Americana band or a jazz band, mm -hmm. and everybody has to learn how to play almost, if you got five 
different players in the band and you got a singer, you got to learn how to play banjo behind all that as well as taking a lead and taking right. your break and stuff. So <clears throat> you've got to have an instrument to be able to cut it. Um, when you're playing in behind a mandolin player, you can just do a back chop, give him the chop. And it just carries just like that, that muted sound in the back there. It's mm -hmm. such a, ver they're versatile instruments. And you know, I've been with you guys for 25 years now. It's just amazing. Um, the instrument has all kinds of, of it's like a Ferrari. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, it's got all the gears. If you were to put a towel in the back, you'd be taking, really taking the third gear out of a Ferrari. There's certain overtones in this instrument. You don't want to really play in the old time stuff because it would ring too much. Uh -huh. But if you learn how to control the overtones, when you, you can really slow play three-quarter time tunes, you can play slow stuff, waltzes, and it, as a standalone, you can just make some really pretty sounds out of it, and it projects and makes clean, clear sounds, and, uh, and I've just been real happy with it. I've got an old Vega, 1927 Vega tubaphone number nine that I, I recorded in Clawgrass with, with the Rice Brothers, right. and I remember Janet and Greg. Greg uh, it was John Hartford that found my first banjo with, with, with the Deerings at Merlefest back in 95. And uh, he goes, come with me, I'm going to introduce you to the Deerings. And there was this Ivanhoe that was sitting there, it was done up like one of these, you know, without a resonator. And, um, and the Deerings go, Mark, we'd like to bring you into the fold, and you know. And uh, it's a gorgeous, it's another gorgeous sounding banjo too. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love my old, when I want to play vintage, I'll get my old Vega out too, and I'll play with that. Yeah, what do you hear differently? Band. Like in in that vintage Vega, what's what's kind of the what do you hear there that you're going? For? I used to say that the tuba phone was a kind of like the flathead of open back banjo tone rings. Mm -hmm. the, the tuba phone, you know, the, if you cross section cut it, it's square. It's a square tube. It comes around the rim of the banjo, mm -hmm. but it just just something about that old sound, that old vintage sound that um, that I'm able to get. Maybe it's a combination of the old wood, the old you know. It's, old wood marquetry on the back and or how you play it too the type of head you put on it the type of tension you put on it um for the head but there's um all you folks out there collect banjos you know what i'm talking about yeah. especially the ones that are bad like me you got too many around the house um you hear different things in your instruments and you use your instruments like tools to play in different different situations exactly right. and uh, you know, i've got and a gibson master tone too yeah. yeah so. so much of your playing, I want to talk a little bit about your relationship with Tony Rice because I've always found your playing to really have a lot of. I think your time with with him really rubbed off on you because you have a lot. Of, it feels like there's a lot of influence in your playing on the way you let the the instrument ring out and really get a great tone, and the way you also arrange things with sometimes using minor chords as a substitution and it really always kind of reminds me a lot of, of the way Tony would play. Sure, sure. No, um, I, I, Emery says it's, my life is so, I'm so lucky, he goes. I moved to Crystal River, Florida back in 19, 1981 and um, I was working at a power plant down there. It just so happened that I bring my banjo in at two o'clock in the morning during lunch hour. I was on night shift and um, the hard hats would come sit around and listen. Well, three of those hard hats were Tony Rice's father, Herb Rice, mm -hmm. and um, my dear friend, late friend Larry Rice was a was a welder, and my other dear friend Ronnie Rice was a was a pipe fitter with his dad. 
And I remember Larry going, you're coming home with us. And uh, and then Tony moved back in 1985. And the only two guitar players in town were Tony and Wyatt Rice for about eight years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How lucky you get. <laughs> now, but, but here's the thing, though. You can't, you can't sit down with Tony and just fram away playing old. Like, if I were just like... Right. You can't do that with his guitar playing. You have to figure out... First of all, you have to listen to it. You have to really learn how to listen and understand, try to understand what he's doing. And I kind of had a natural feel for that. And I would try to, I would take his recordings and I would try to copy some of these phrases that he play on guitar. He would invite me, I'd stay at his house. He would wake up at nine in the morning. And I'm sorry, he would wake up at nine at night that was his breakfast time. That's, that's, when, that that's when the sense. day started. Right? Yeah, he makes up nine at night, and um, you know I would go down and visit with him, and he go, he would sit down there, and he goes, "I want you to sit down here. I want you to listen to this," and he would go over and he'd take LPs out and put them on the the record player. It didn't matter what; it could be anything. It could be J.D. Crow, it could be uh, Vassar Clements, it could be Miles Davis, okay. Ornette Coleman, all the jazz stuff. Yeah. And he'd say, "I want you to sit here and listen to this music." And then tell me what you hear. So I'd start listening and I'd start talking like that. And he'd go, shh. <laughs> and it was so hard to be quiet. You're nervous, you know, because you, know, yeah. you never sat yeah. there and really got quiet and listened to it. And um, But after a while, I mean, this went on for years. Yeah. And we, we, we and then we'd play, we'd get the guitar and get the banjo on it. Okay, now take your banjo and try this. But he asked me questions. I remember we put on a, like a two-track tape recording of J.D. Crow playing Colored Aristocracy Three Finger Style. Mm -hmm. And he asked me, he goes, I want you to listen to this and I want you to tell me what you hear like that. So after it was done, I go, well, I could hear J.D. breathing and I could hear him moving on his strings and I could hear where he almost clammed on one note, but he, he recovered really quickly. But the thing that I heard the most that even Tony didn't hear was when, when J.D. was done, he sat back in his wooden chair and it creaked. Uh -huh. He goes, Get your banjo out like that. So we would sit there and we work up like uh, colored aristocracy or um, forked deer, just any tune we had. Some of the, he loved the stuff that I wrote. He played on a lot of that stuff on those those tunes. I, I did a Pine Castle project where we did Cuckoo's Nest together, and one that I wrote called My Friend Betty. And uh, his rhythm was to die for. Right. And that's a lot of you, you. You can't play with a guy like that unless you understand. And there's so many great players out there that if I was to sit down, I'd have to do the exact same thing. I would listen to them before I'd even go near them, so I could try to understand their playing and then adjust my playing to that. Wow, really? I mean, you're so fortunate to have that time with them. Oh man. I mean, it just kept happening. One, you know, lightning bolts. Emery goes, "Can I stand where you're getting hit with lightning, please?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but exactly. yeah, I mean, he's—I I kid it, I kid this. But this—he's really the musician in this duet thing. He's just—he's he's, part of the reason I've had a large part of the reason I've been successful is really Emery Lester. For years, he knew how to produce. He knew how to pull this music out of me in the studio. George Hotchkiss recorded us for years. Another uh -huh. great guy that, uh, that was, we were a trio together, you know. But Bill Emerson was—he would always be in the in the sidelines, just watching us. And yep, Hotchkiss Hill—that's the way it's done, you know, this kind of thing. And, uh, Do you and Emery have plans to uh, just to start um, recording again together? Yeah, as a matter of fact, we actually did some touring here last year after the uh -huh. whole pandemic right, thing. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, we're talking about doing some touring this October. We're starting to get a lot of requests in the southeast uh, to come come lay it down. Uh, Emery wants her to come up. A lot of people are just doing singles now, you know, releasing yeah. singles, which is fascinating. Uh, so um, I've been writing some, and he's been writing some. So we're going to get together. I'm going to fly up there and visit with him. And we've been talking about that for a while. Or if when he comes down here to record, maybe we can work some stuff up and then plan to get in the studio. He has a lot of that old equipment that uh, George Hotchkiss had. He bought it from him, and, and he's, awesome. a, he's a genius in the studio too. So he's really the the real musician in this duet. I'm just yeah, well, banjo let us know when 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 stuff is ready to come out and uh, <laughs> when y'all are playing some shows. We will, we will. Yeah. Do you take time to uh, going back to when you're with Tony and listening to music like? listening and just not doing anything else do you still take time to 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 do that sort of thing to list we oh, truly listen absolutely music, I, I would tell anybody that my students when I get banjo students coming in um, I encourage them seriously to listen to different listen to their favorite music I don't care what it is just start yeah. listening really closely don't just let it fly at you out of a, of a speaker you know start listening to what you know identify the bass player the guitar but who's doing what and listen to how intricate, how good they are. Maybe they're not good. When you listen, you might find out they're, they're just kind of covering up, you know? Yeah. But if you listen to the greats, uh, any one of the greats, Jerry Douglas is another one. If you listen to his music, it, it those licks are so gorgeous. And they're real similar to a lot of the claw hammer stuff that I do. There's a, the timing, you know, the slides and stuff are, are very right. similar to it. And um, I, I have to admit, I've probably swiped a few tunes off of him too and converted them over. <laughs> Into Glawhammer. Allison Brown. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Allison Brown. You know, incredibly talented. We recorded, uh, we recorded a tune um, for, for uh, I wrote a tune for Steve Martin for his birthday one year. And uh, Allison recorded with me on it. Uh, we put the twin banjos together. And uh, we had Jim Hurst and Todd Phillips play the rhythm sections. And, uh, haven't released it yet, getting ready to do that. Right. So um, we're putting Allison's beautiful three-finger style together with this style. It came out good. Awesome, awesome. Well, looking forward to that too. Heck yeah. Um, so you're taking on you're taking on some new banjo students, and we do have somebody asking here um, uh, in the chat here. Dan Moth says, "Question for Mark: Do you give private lessons online? I'd like to learn some frameworks for soloing up the neck in G, A, C, and D." Thanks. Sure, that's exactly it. I have one restriction though. Um, where I live in Florida, I don't have the best bandwidth. Um, I can internet do. Bandwidth. I can. Yeah, internet bandwidth. I can. We've experienced that ourselves uh, when we tried one of the uh, the during live things here. But um, if you can get on like an Apple product like FaceTime, there's no delay. We do that, and also I, people come to my house and take lessons too. But I'd be willing to look at Skype again and give it a try. Sometimes you do it certain time of day or night that it's it's better. Right. I live out rural in uh, Marion County, Florida. And what what are you looking for when you when you take on a student? Um, what do you, is there anything you're looking for in that in that student? You know the certain yeah, level yeah. of seriousness about it. Um, accomplished banjo players um, are great to work with because they'll want to learn, a lot of times they want to learn tunes that Emery and I have recorded and they'll pick it up real quick and I can show them a lot of the nuance playing, I can show them a lot of licks and things that, that work on it um, 
But uh, I, I love working with novices too because novices, they're so they're so nervous. You know, some I have a conversation with them. I say, look, you know, just because you're gonna you're gonna take some lessons doesn't mean you're gonna be a banjo player. You got to do all the work. Now, I'll take you right through it. But I also have the patience of Job. And it's a lot of repetitive stuff to be able to get you to do it. I really encourage students to come to the house because that's where you can really sit down. But, you know, there are students that like to work off of FaceTime, off the web, and we just go over the same thing over and over again until they get it. But once they get it, you can almost see the light bulb turn on above their yeah. head. You know, it's great. And, uh, I like teaching. Yeah, and you, you have three really important students, too. Uh, Sawyer, Calder, and Juliana Rose, right? <laughs> My grandkids, yeah. <laughs> you got them. They got a banjo out there. I'm trying to get them to... Maybe if they see uh, Grandpa Mark out here playing the banjo on the computer, maybe they'll they'll say, hey, I want to try that, you know? Kids are like gas cans. You just you throw matches at them until something blows up, and then they go after it, you know? So I think we've, we've set the ground. We've got the... I got a good times banjo out there. We got a Martin guitar out there. We're just waiting. Their dad plays well too, so I think we got a good shot at it here. Awesome. Well, um, let's we'll get into talking about some uh, up the neck licks for for playing in D or playing any double tunings. Yeah, yeah, I got a great one here. It's a lot of fun to do. I played out of D. You can play it out of any position. You can play it out of C double C position, D, any of the E minor or E positions. up there the, the most the best thing I can do to tell accomplished players is learn in the double tunings where where your basic chord shapes are that repeat themselves up and down the neck but in a D chord uh, Tony's tunes called uh, John Wilkes Booth. That's a common lick right there. Um, you can, uh, that uh, I, it, I really have to sit down with somebody to show it one on one right. to do it, but it. Uh, Is there. Sorry? Is there a kind of a. Because it's kind of hard to. You know, you have to kind of show somebody how to do it or show the tab 
you know how to do it but is there kind of when you're coming up with your own licks up the neck is there kind of a concept the general concept that that you could look at without it without well, looking at the, the exact notes the concept is playing claw hammer and playing a taking a lead break on it you know when uh -huh. it, just like as if you were in an ensemble playing in a, in a jazz thing or a bluegrass ensemble there you, like when you go Use it in break. You to take a lead break on it. So you step up to the microphone, everybody backs away and they back you up while you do it. Do you do a lot of the licks on like the first two strings when you go up the neck or do you doing it across all four strings even up the neck? It depends. Um, I love playing down the lower echelon. Uh -huh. That double stops. Okay. Where the music goes. I, I also yeah. something else too that um, I play three finger claw hammer. Right. And if I can explain that a little bit, the um, it's it's about economy of movement in my right hand, where where if I'm playing, um, if the melody notes go to the second and first strings, then I'm going to drop over to my index finger my, or my middle finger to catch the melody notes. And as the melody moves back more into the center part of the strings, I take it back with the index, and of course the thumb plays percussively on it. And, and um, yeah, it's like the higher up the neck I go, I'm playing with my middle and my index, like a. Like you can do a slow one here, go. index is your middle finger kind of taking the first string and the index taking the others is it something like that it's, it's not a strict rule but yeah in general yeah sometimes I'll move my middle finger back in and start playing I'll, I'll I frail too it's something else and a lot of the stuff that I'll be playing I'll be I'll use frailing techniques just brush brush thumb and I'll curl my middle finger back in and start catching double strings like on a play those double strings down in here with my middle uh -huh. finger I'll reach all the way underneath and get it a lot of times when you see them playing my hand doesn't even look like it's moving but it's uh -huh. like a, 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 a what do they call those um, those crabs you see with the shell that crawl on the, the surface uh, hermit crab yeah. yeah yeah hermit crab there there's a lot going on underneath there <laughs> I do have an old DVD you can download too to learn how to do this stuff on homespun when I have the trom stuff up there it's uh that, those, yeah. that is a good. That's a very good last uh, video. I've seen. It those, came uh, out. You know, it, it's. It, Emery came to work with me on that too. Gave me great rhythm while we played on it. So, so there's so a way to help still, anybody out there. There's still the way to, to access that for people that don't have a DVD player. Yeah, anymore. you can go out to Homespun and just download it. It's okay. all. No, there's no physical anything anymore. It's everything yeah. downloaded. <laughs> right. That's why we're all going back to. Uh, to LPs, I guess people wants to hold. They want to hold something. <laughs> look they want to be able to look at something, you know. <laughs> yep, yeah, I know. Okay, anyway, um, also, you mentioned learning like a good, you know, 
first thing is to learn your chord shapes up the neck and double D tuning. Should you also learn like like partial chord shapes, like double stop chord shapes sort of thing? Well, or if you learn if you learn the basic chord shapes, the partials are natural to it. You just figure out which which double stops you want to play out of those 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 shapes up in there. Okay. And uh, um, working with uh, there, there's some great tools. I mean, it's amazing the tools that are available to learn to play anything anymore on the web. That's why we've got so many young people that are just playing at superior levels. Right. You know, they go on the web and they can just learn stuff out there. There's one. There's a rhythm thing called. Um, um, Brian, what's the name of that rhythm thing on the web? Strum machine. Strum machine. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love Strum machine. You can say I, I put students onto that thing all the time, and uh, but I work with it too. You know, I, I I have to work with a metronome just to keep my own timing going on it, and that's a that's a thing you have to do because it will it will evaporate if you don't stay with it. It's going to fade. We all know that, right? Right, right. We'll take the muscle. But, um, oh, I tell you what, I've had, just had so much fun um, getting back into it. I'm now, I'm now retired from my career job in, uh, in public safety, um, emergency management, and Department of Health. And uh, so I get to play banjo more and, and teach and, and talk to people about it and hang out with you guys. And, yeah. What's one good exercise maybe you could give us to take away, a, a basic exercise, maybe for the right hand, talking about using that, your your technique of using two fingers. Is there kind of a, you know, without without doing anything on the left hand, but just focusing on getting that those two fingers going, is there something there? Can you get that roll? Well, yeah, aspect? yeah. One of the, I, I got, I, it took me a second there, but I think I can, I can, I can address that. When I teach basic frailing, the brush, brush thumb, Ways of catching the melody in in frailing is playing pairs of strings: the first, second string, the second, third string, and the third, fourth string. The no drop thumb there at all. It's just frailing, brush, brush thumb, and I'm using the top of my my middle fingernail and playing pairs of strings. brush thumb with the right hand and you get yeah. all that melody out of it and it's a real simple way I love teaching novices that because they think it's so co complicated and you just show them the basic mechanical way to do it and all of a sudden they're playing music you know well I also think that exercise is really good because I a lot of a lot of ball hammer players I see when they strum they strum with a really heavy hand and by, by playing just two strings I think it forces you to have a light a light touch. Well, it also, you know, there's uh, Tim Stafford, the great bluegrass guitar player with um, <clears throat> Blue Highway. He wrote a, a pretty good paper on the five T's. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. ever heard the five T's, taste, no. touch, tone, timing, and tuning. Okay. And he really elaborated deeply in each one of these. And you could live your entire musical life according to exploring yeah. any one of those T's, you know, and uh, taste and touch. That's up to you guys. It's up to the player itself. Um, like, I wrote a tune called Heartbroken years ago. Mm -hmm. Here we go. 
learning your that taste and that touch and learning to milk every bit of value out of every note that you're playing when you're playing slow like that and let it ring let it ring through where you might want to throw another note in and um you yeah, can, that's you can, every, anybody can write their own stuff, you know, have their own music. Right. It doesn't have to be flashy, a lot of notes. Let let the instrument ring yeah. and listen to what you're playing. A lot of the best music out there is very simple. Right. Think about it. It's just simple melodies that really touch somebody. And, uh, you know, it, um, I, don't know I, I, I don't know why I've been blessed with it all, but uh, I've been very lucky with it. I really do. Yeah. And, Mark, this has been a lot of fun. I want to bring Jamie and see if he he's been monitoring the chat. If there's any um, thing from the chat that we could jump into. Sorry, I had to unmute myself. Uh, no, I have asked a couple of times. I think you've uh, you've gone ahead and asked everyone's questions right off the bat, which has been delightful. So hang out for a minute but yeah really like to really enjoy the the notion of like letting the instrument ring like that that's to sure. me is the noticeable difference to what you do versus what a lot of other players do and i don't think it was particularly apparent uh to me until you said it and i started paying more attention during the course of this this particular episode it's like yeah that's yeah, exactly yeah, what's happening yeah. and that's um that's it's really cool you know, all the, i'll all be honest I, I prefer your slower stuff when you're playing gentle like you just did that was that, oh, know, some, that, that reached a different place than the other. Than there's the other. there's so many cool tunes like that. Um, uh, 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 Angel Band, the old Civil War tune caller. stand alone by itself and I think a lot of times that's why people learn to play banjo because they can stand alone just they just want to pick on their front porch you know exactly especially clawhammer style and the way you play it worth you know letting it ring and playing um, yeah really works it's such a such an efficient right hand motion as well just watching your right hand like you're barely really doing anything with it like as far as any accentuated movement it's uh, it's very precise very to, efficient uh, you know, Jamie, I used to, um, I use acrylic nails mm -hmm. on my fingers. Um, I've done that for 30 years. And uh, I, I got over feeling weird about it years ago because I, my natural nails just wouldn't be able to do this. I remember playing on stage. I was on stage with Tony Rice and the guys. And I went to take a break with that old, uh, that old Vega. And I came down on the, the first string with the, my middle finger, the top of the nail. And went right into the top of that string, went right through the nail. Oh, and the, and went, oh God! And got hung up on it and started to bleed on the banjo head. You know, it's like awful. And Tony just looks over and goes, "Oh God!" <laughs> Always the That's banjo. what I says. I got to do something here, you know. So um, I, I've got some Vietnamese friends. I just go in and put them on every couple of weeks. But the cool thing about it, I used to watch Tony and Wyatt. They take their their picks, their guitar picks, and they shape them. 
They would shape them and form them. It's sit there with terry cloth, sit there and just shape them for hours. And with these acrylics, you can sit there and shape them. Their guitar picks would actually affect the tone that they want to get on the guitar playing. Well, you could do that with acrylics. You could sit there and shape them mm-hmm. to the way you want. If you want to play a really crisp sound, put an edge on them. You know, run it across your jeans and take the burrs off it. You get a really clean sound. If you want to dull it up a little bit, go across your jeans a couple of times and it have a little more softer sound to it. But um, I, I would do anything to get the sound that I get, and including using acrylic nails, you know, uh, playing really excellent orchestra-grade instruments. You know, it's, it's what I hear, and it's what I need to do in order to hear what I play, you know? Yeah. That's, That's cool. Awesome. So, so Tony, I do have a question. Tony would use a terry cloth towel to shape the, his flat pick? Yeah, they would play with a lot of the old tortoise picks that yeah. you don't see too many more. A lot of the blue chips have taken over for that. But back yeah. then, they were tortoise gel. And they would shape them the way they'd want them and just get them to where exactly how they would. And then they'd wear them out yeah. and just go back and do it again. They used, they used terry cloth to do it. Yeah. Interesting. I know. Cool. I know. I, I, so, I was so lucky. I, I got I got discovered by the Rice Brothers. You can't get better than that. <laughs> you got discovered by Taj Mahal and, and the Rice Brothers. Like, what no, no, is... There's a guy named, uh, there's a DJ up in Nashville back about 25 years ago, Mr. Higgs. And he goes, you were raised by musical wolves. <laughs> like that. Mowgli, musical I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I didn't even have any experience with um, working in front of a crowd or or getting to work on a microphone or any of that. And Tony took me out with the Tony Rice unit with Jimmy Goodrow and the, the Simpkins brothers. And and uh, I did five shows across the country. Bill Emerson was with us on one. That's where I met Bill Emerson. Oh. And he would put, Tony would put me right on his left shoulder. And he'd, he'd get out there. We're playing the Bijou Theater up in Nashville. And I step up. The second set, we do two set, two songs. Jimmy Goodrow would introduce us. And a claw hammer banjo player comes out with a Tony Rice unit. And uh, we start playing away, and uh, if Tony sensed that I was getting nervous, he'd lean and sneak up on me, and he'd start cracking jokes in my ear while I was playing. <laughs> he'd go, hey, Mark, we're playing country now, aren't we? You know, this kind of stuff. And he'd just calm me right down, and I'd just settle back down again. And uh, It's an amazing experiences. Yeah, really great. We do have a, we have a question from uh, Victor. Uh, he asked real quick, uh, what is your favorite banjo music festival? And I'm going to expand on that, like... Oh my goodness! Oh, um, yeah, there's going to be one that you like going to every year. Uh, I know you mentioned Melfest over the course of the show, but also, um, is there one in particular, one performance that, that sticks out? A festival performance uh, as we enter <coughs> into festival season. Yeah. Yes, uh, Merlefest probably has to take the ticket on that one. After the uh, the Steve Martin Prize Award, they mm-hmm. did a um, they tried to get together some of the award winners up to that point, and it was Sammy and, and Jens and myself. And that was very exciting. But I got to see so many different great banjo players and great musicians just, you know, unto themselves. So I think Merlefest would have to, uh, Wintergrass was another one out there in the West Coast. I love that. But my home festival when I grew up in the Hudson Valley was the old Berkshire Mountain Bluegrass Festival that turned into Winterhawk and Gray Fox and all those different Uh names. But back in the 70s, I mean, it was magical. You'd see the seldom seen show up. Uh, Buck White and the Down Home folks with Emmy Lou Harris and uh, uh, Linda Ronstadt. <laughs> you know this kind of stuff. Wow. It, holy smokes! You know, yeah. but I would see Bela Fleck up there, yeah. sitting on the back as a kid, just sitting on the back of his um, his station wagon there, and I go, 
I've never, I didn't know who he was. I'm going, oh my goodness, listen to this, you know. It was a real time period. It's a great question. Um, the uh, the Maryland Banjo Academy, the banjo newsletter, Maryland Banjo Academy stuff was really superb back in the late 90s and the early 2000s. Uh, they had that up in Buckystown, Maryland. They were they were superb. A lot of the camps are great. You know, you see a lot of great players at the camps too. So I would uh, you learn more going to a camp, I think, than you would ever just trying to learn out of a book or off of YouTube or something. Go to a camp and immerse yourself in it. Find it. Get get all the basics done, mm -hmm. and then start focusing on where you want to take it. And uh, you know, that's good advice, I think. Yeah, really good. That's great. Thank yeah, that's a great camp, question, though. When you go to a camp, you're you're fully engulfed because you're surrounded by other other players um, and 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 great teachers at the same time. Twenty four seven. You know, you, you sleep, you, you stay at the camps for three days, and uh, you just learn so much. And there's, so, there's such great talent coming to the camps to teach. So right. it's, uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing. Um, coming out, working um, the NAM stuff with, with the Deerings, uh, mm -hmm. getting uh, Emery and I out there working the NAM Museum. That was another great one there. But mm -hmm. going to the NAM show, there's some great banjo players show up at those things, too. So you get it where you can get it. Right. That's right. That was a, our 40th anniversary year. You came out for that with uh, mm -hmm. Tony Trishka. I think Jens was there. Yeah, uh, the Kruger brothers were there, people. man. That was a busy NAMM show. That was that was that was a good one. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. It was a lot. We we went we toured in '15. We wound up from that NAMM show. Uh, we wound up touring all of Europe. Emery and I went over there and did a five-country sellout tour over there. Wow. We want to go to Ireland. Um, Mike Armistead, my friend up in Nashville says, once the pandemic's over, we might be able to help you guys find a tour over in Ireland. I would love it. Emery and I hear their music might be pretty good over there, so we would love to get on a tour and, and, and try it out. Yeah, yeah they I like think to, I would do well. Yeah, I think you do very well. They, they, uh, they like to jam over there a lot. Um, Hank Smith, a uh, friend of ours and fellow artist, he was just over there over New Year's and uh, took his banjo and, and uh, had a lot of fun. Yeah. I'll bet. Yeah. I'll bet. I'll bet. Uh, so it, um, there's, there's much more to do. Yeah. This there is, including playing us a song as we head out of this wonderful hour that we've had together. Would you, would you mind? No, no. Let me. Uh... So as you as you tune up, I'll just remind everyone we are back a second time this week on Friday at 1:30 uh, Pacific time, 4:30 Eastern, with the wonderful Ashley Campbell and Thor Jensen. Um, to talk about their new duo, and I believe she's also playing a progress too, as well. So I know, I think that's great. Ashley, go get it. Progress <laughs> fueled Deering Live week, um, and then next week they will there will not be a Deering Live, um, but we will be at Mulfest and we'll be live streaming from time to time with uh, with the wonderful Chapman Brothers at uh, Acoustic Music Shop. So, Mark, what are you going to play with us? We'll play for I'll us. play a, a version of a cold, frosty morning. Awesome. All right. Thank you everyone for tuning in. And thanks for having me, everybody. Uh, if you, if I've got four slots open for lessons. Um, looking for some serious students. If you want to try, give me a call. And I love Can to they work with find you. it through your website? Can they contact you that way? Yeah, yeah. Clawgrass.com is, uh, is a way to do it. Um, I've got a Facebook page. Just just hit me up on Facebook page, too. I message, I'm easy to get to. And, and where uh, can people love find to help your music out. these days? When, uh, when they're floating around and they're looking for that beautiful recording. Uh, 
Spotify. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not on TikTok oh, or doing all that crazy. Yeah, they've, they've got that stuff. Um, uh, our, on Amazon, we still buy, if people want CDs, they're out there. You can get them on Amazon still. Uh, CD Baby. CD Baby does a lot of our stuff. Very good. Well, listen, guys, thanks for having me, okay? Yeah, thanks, thanks for being fun, Mark. We, we appreciate you, Mark. Thank you. And everybody out there, thanks for, for tuning in. You had a choice. <laughs> you, could, you could do something else, so we appreciate it. <laughs> you sound like the American Airlines. Uh, like, we know you had Put a choice. Put your tray tables in the, your backs of your seats in the upright <laughs> position. <then you're> <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Sorry. It's a banjo. Hang on. Cable slipped on. This is definitely not the daring advertising we were hoping for, Mark Johnson. Here we go.